3: Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: Thanks for listening to the best of the Ben Maller Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weeknight from 2 to 6 Eastern, 11 p.m. to 3 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And to find your local station for the Ben Maller Show at foxsportsradio.com. You can find it there or stream us live every night on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. This is the best of the Ben Maller show on Fox Sports Radio. Still in the green for now. Well,. Come in the beginning of a brand new week of the Ben Maller Show. We are in the air everywhere, right on the doorstep as we're hanging out over on the the dairy aisle, giving you the bread and butter of sports talk, even on a holiday weekend, coast to coast, border to border, and beyond on the vast and satisfyingly powerful Microphones of FSR emanating live from the box. We're hanging out in the penalty box. We are broadcasting live from the TireRack.com studios. TireRack.com will help you get there in unmatched selection, fast free shipping, free road hazard protection, and over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. All right. So our lead to begin the festivities here comes from Pro Bouncy Ball. Over the weekend, the story that everyone's talking about. We, we don't want to be on the outside here. We want to be part of the the cool kids. So the Celtics and the Heat, you uh, assume you watched game number six, the Eastern Conference Finals. There will be a game seven tonight. This is our Monday show. We kick off the week here. So Monday night, game seven in Boston. But it's all about game six, and if you did not watch because you had something going on on Saturday in the nighttime hours you could not watch, whatever, you probably know what happened by now. But if not, former San Antonio Spur Derek White. Who? Derek White, kind of a generic name. But he made a buzzer beater. Put back shot with a millisecond, literally a millisecond, before the light went on in the background of the backboard as the clock expired, and Boston extending the Eastern Conference Finals as it will go to the final elimination game, which is wonderful, wonderful for all involved. And so let us discuss the question, are the Celtics now guaranteed? to win Game 7 at home. They are a sizable favorite on the parquet. Uh, And I say no. Despite the bell, I say no. All right, I'll shake my head no. Uh, I've got Wikipedia, Southwest Airlines, and Outpatient, and we will combine all of these things together, and we are going to make... A nice cream pie, a Boston cream pie, which is what the loser of game seven will get right to the schnoz, right there, right to the schnoz. So, A, uh, nothing is guaranteed. I remember in the playoffs last year, the Dallas Mavericks were playing the Phoenix Suns in a game seven in Arizona. I was like, well, there's. Suns are at home. They're going to win that game. It was early in the Western Conference Plus, How did that turn out? Well, if I remember correctly, the Suns lost that game by seven gazillion points. I might be off by a few, but it was a completely lopsided game in favor of the road team. Dallas, you know what happens when you assume. Do not assume the position that the Celtics are just going to sashay their way into game seven and walk out with a victory. I don't believe that's the case. Now, as far as game six. We'll get to to more on Game 7, but as far as Game 6, the Celtics won the game that they were supposed to lose in Game 6. That's the story here. And we had mentioned, this validates the take, we had mentioned that the Celtics were incapable of playing four consecutive perfect games, and we were right. But they won the game they were supposed to lose. That's the story here. It was not a masterpiece in Game 6, the uh, the Celtics got the fluke win. So that sets them up to now win Game 7, which is not a guarantee, but Game 6 does count as a fluke. The Celtics live and die by the three-point shot. They attempted 35 three-point shots in Game 6 and missed 18 of them. Uh, they missed from here, there, and everywhere. They shot 20%. 7 of 35 from three-point range in Game 6. Jason Tatum sucked at a time you cannot suck in the second half of that game. An elimination game for Boston if they lose. Tatum took nine shots in the second half. He missed eight of the nine in the second half. O of 8 from behind the arc in the game, and Boston still wins. That was a classic vanishing act by the star player. The kind of a performance the kind of stench that would have stuck to Jason Tatum had the outcome been different in that game. But that's a bailout. That's a federal bailout for the Celtics. The bailout, the Derek White bailout plan, all of that gets pushed to the side there because Derek White tipped the ball in to win it at the end. And so that becomes, for many in the media, they've already tagged it a all-time iconic moment in NBA history for the Celtics. But for that to become an all-time iconic moment, the Celtics have to win Monday night, tonight, they have to win Game 7, and they have to win the championship. So if, even if they win Game 7 and eliminate Miami and get to the finals and then the Joker laughs at the Celtics and Denver ends up winning the championship, then that Derek White shot's not nearly... As cool, right? That anything less, the standard is you've got to win the championship. Anything less than that, and that is a footnote on Derek White's Wikipedia page, and that's it. That's the only place you'll find that will be on the Wikipedia page of Derek White, and there'll be no need to bring it up. You won't need to make a documentary about it twenty years from now or ten years from now, and there's no need to print T-shirts, and it just moves to the side, right? Moves to the side. That's how that works. But here's the thing. The Celtics shouldn't win this. We picked the Celtics before the series started based on the the fact that they have a huge talent gap and there is a great imbalance. There was a reason Boston was an overwhelming favorite coming into this particular series. The disparity is on their side, and yet they find themselves having to scratch and claw in a Game 7 situation just to advance. But the odds... And I had a buddy of mine mention this to me. The odds were actually worse that Miami would win three games in a row against Boston than Boston winning four games in a row against Miami. Think about that. I mean, the fact that the Heat won three games in a row and were were playing like with silly putty, the Celtics playing the role of the silly putty in that game. Now, meanwhile, uh, y- you look at. The, the situation here, big favorite, Game 7 at home, but from the Miami side, page two here, from the Miami side, what has gone wrong for the Heat? So the Stars have gone in the in the darkness the, in the witness protection program, so you've got a little bit of that going on. Uh, a minimalist effort by the two big guns for the Miami Heat of late, and I don't think it's because of any great adjustment by the Celtics, I, I have not noticed any amazing coaching move by let him play Joel Missoula in this uh, series. Uh, but, listen, Miami's attack has been stripped down, uh, bare bones, and you've got the micro and the macro, as we like to say. So the micro and the macro. Now, the we'll start with the micro. Saturday, Miami did not play a complete game. Jimmy Butler made the clutch shots. But he and Bam Adebayo were both guilty of truancy, and it's been that way for the last several games. Butler, in that game on Saturday, 5 of 21, which is less than 24% from the floor for Jimmy buckets. It's Bam Adebayo, who takes almost all of his shots right near the basket, and he took 16 shots. He missed 12 of them. It's 25%. And those were not contested shots. Most of them were not. Most of them were just old-fashioned brick house-type moments there where the, the shots were just missed. Point-blank range. Jimmy Butler, from under the basket where the league average is 66.6%, the sign of the devil that you make, 66.6%. Butler shot 20%. right? 20%, 3 of 15 Jimmy Butler shot from the painted area. Uh, And and you're talking about emasculating. And Bam out of bio, 3 of 13 in that game Saturday in the Painted Area. And so that's more what has become the norm recently. Still, Miami is in in position in game six. They're right there. As we mentioned, Boston does not make the outside shot. And Jimmy Buckets makes makes a bunch. Three clutch foul shots. And one after another, To put Miami ahead. So what was the turning point? What allowed Boston to win the game? Derek White with the putback. Well, nobody's talking about this. We'll be the only ones to talk about it. If you watch the replay, Max Struess for the Miami Heat, uh, outside specialist Max Struess, lost track of the inbounder, and he he did not keep himself in front of the person he was supposed to keep himself in front of. And he was trying to keep the ball out. Out of Jason Tatum's hands, but he in the in the heat of the moment, the way it looked, Stroess lost Derek White. Uh, he lost Derek White. Uh, Butler, Jimmy Butler, overall has gone into Siberia land here over the last three games. He's shooting 36% from the floor, 30% from three-point range. So he's been bad, uh, and he's taken 52 shots. He's missed 33 of them while Jimmy Butler's been on the court. The Heat have been outscored by 44 points by the Celtics. And Bam out of bio has been a minus 30 on the plus minus. So both those guys have had Southwest Airlines type marketing want to get away, want to get away fares uh, for both of them. Wowzers. But all of that, much like we talked about with the Celtics and if they were to lose game seven for Miami, all of that gets forgotten if the Heat are victorious on Memorial Day here in Boston and advance to the NBA Finals. Now, the last word here, how can Miami win a Game 7 on the road? We mentioned it's not a guarantee. It's not a foregone conclusion that the Celtics are going to show up and going to win this game. So the question is, how can they win on the road if you're Miami? Well, obviously it's easier said than done, but the key to all of these things, all of the noise and all the nonsense leading up to these games, is to simply be better in the moment. This is not brain surgery. It's not that hard. When all is said and done, more is said than done, but Jimmy Buckets needs to be the outpatient surgeon at the clinic here, work surgically and put the pressure the, the key part to me is to put the pressure on Boston because they if the, the heat can can hang around and make it a, a couple of baskets either way for the first part of the game, that puts the pressure mounting on on the Celtics and the great thing about a Game 7 is guys are exposed. They're pantsed. Tight took his syndrome. Uh, can't wait, right? Some guys can handle it. Some guys can't. And we will find out. We'll all be watching to see who can handle the immense pressure and who crumbles under the spotlight. And oftentimes it's the star players. Like we all assume Jimmy Butler's going to play well because that's his, his reputation and all that. But there's no guarantee. Jason Tatum, he's vanished in a number of these games. He vanished in the last game. Boston won anyway. They got the federal bailout plan from Derek White. Uh, But fans in Boston will start hissing and booing if the Celtics fall behind, going to the fourth quarter, raising a ruckus. And then that escalates the temperature for the Celtics even more, and then you start the finger pointing and all that. But ultimately, all that matters: who is better in the moment, right? In the moment, and Jimmy Butler can avoid the historical tank being on his playoff Jimmy resume. Uh, all of the in terms of the in the, uh, the overall pressure, right? People have been oh, the pressure. This. That. Well, I think that's all a a lot of, you know, mostly BS. But in terms of answering the question, there's clearly pressure on both teams. But the cool thing about this game, which is very rare that we get watching these games, is either way, whatever the outcome is, is a, a wild story. Right? It's a wild story because the majority to me is still on Boston. They're at home. They've won the three games to get to a game seven. They lose this game. I, if I own the Celtics, I fire Joe Missoula. Let him play Joe because he should have never come to a Game 7. So Missoula's job is on the line. We'll start with that. You're fired. But he's out, right? He'll go be an assistant somewhere or coach at the YMCA. I don't know. But uh, Joe is coaching for his his career. Uh, the the uh, the whole Miami Heat culture thing gets blown to bits if Miami ends up losing this game. We already annoyed by that storyline, so that goes away. Uh, The loss, as we mentioned earlier in this diatribe, if the Celtics lose, Derek White and his bailout shot are background noise. They're forgotten, right? We forget about that. Uh, And with a win, a lot of sins go away. A lot of sins for the Celtics, a lot of sins for the Miami Heat, so that's what's on the line Tonight it is the Ben Maller show. If you would like to be part eight seven seven ninety nine on Fox, it is a live radio show. Even I know it's a holiday and all that. People are most people aren't working on uh, on the Monday here, but we are. And if you'd like to be part eight seven seven ninety nine on Fox, the number eight seven seven nine nine six six three six nine. Also on Twitter at Ben Maller. That's at Ben Maller. We've got a timing issue and no more bull. A timing issue and no more bull. We'll get to that, and we will do it next. Fly, Maller, fly on the airwaves everywhere. Fight, Roberto, fight. Cook a sound bite, one, two, three. Eddie Low, Cooper High, as we hear the militia cry. Fly, Maller, fly,
5: gloviating and horn-swoggled. M-A-L-L-E-R,
4: Maller. Be sure to catch live editions of the Ben Maller Show weekdays at 2 a.m. Eastern, 11 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app.
1: Hi, this is Jay Glazer, and you may know me for the world of
4: A long-standing rumor in the NFL has become a reality. Welcome in the beginning of another hour of the Ben Maller Show. We are in the air everywhere, close together, as we are the mosquito supplier of sports chatter, coast-to-coast, border-to-border, and beyond, on the vast and swaggeringly powerful, Microphones of FSR emanating live from under the light. The on-air light we are broadcasting live from the TireRack.com studios. TireRack.com will help you get there in unmatched selection, fast, free shipping, free road hazard protection, and over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. And our lead this hour Coming from the NFL transaction wire over the weekend while we were away from the watchtower here at Fox Sports Radio for a rare and appropriate weekend away from the microphones of FSR. The transaction wire burned up. Burn, baby, burn. And a story that we talked about for several months had become reality. Uh, a, a name that had been mentioned and whispered in hushed hush tones as a player that was going to change teams, uh, the first leg of that happened. Now, if you didn't see and you don't have no idea what we're talking about, what's the riddle? Get to the point, please. All right, so DeAndre Hopkins was fired from his job in the NFL. Now, the NFL doesn't use the word fired when it comes to players. You're fired. They say you were released which is a nice way of saying you were fired. But he was let go from his job with the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, It's a softer way to say you got fired when you say you were released. But he was fired. Uh, Hopkins spent three years in Arizona, 17 touchdown receptions on his resume with the Birds, the desert variety of the Birds. Uh, Still had two years left on his contract for $34 million. May we all have two years left on our contract for $34 million, like DeAndre Hopkins had. So now the question becomes, who's got next? Who's got next? So let us discuss. The the way we'll frame it, we'll keep it simple. It's Sports Talk Radio. But the way we're going to frame this is as follows. So where does DeAndre Hopkins end up now that he is free to roam around the NFL country so i've got stevie ray vaughn disco tech and irish spring and we will combine all of these things together we'll squish them together and we are going to make a nice big moving van which is what deandre is going to need as he moves all his crap out of arizona somewhere else on the nfl circuit so number one. Number one. There is a limited market for DeAndre Hopkins. Believe it or not, I believe it. I'm the one that just said it. I'll tell you why. All right. He is promoting himself. He's propping himself up. Maybe that's a better way of saying it. As a high-end commodity. But the numbers recently don't back that up. That's a problem. And the whispers around the NFL say that Hopkins only wants to play for a legitimate Super Bowl contender. Well, what if those legitimate Super Bowl contenders do not want DeAndre Hopkins? Then what do you do? That's a quagmire of a situation. Now, we're not there yet, but uh, nobody else, nobody else apparently will solve his unquenchable thirst to play for a winning team. Of course, I think that's a lot of malarkey. Uh, and then ultimately, DeAndre Hopkins will end up going where the money is, uh, assuming uh, all things are equal. If there's a team that is a contender that offers a similar contract, he will go to that team that's better. But it's not like he's going to totally eliminate the teams that are fringe contenders. But we'll talk about what his, his people have tossed out into the echo chamber, the people who are on Team Hopkins And and whatnot. So there are three obvious Super Bowl contenders. If I gave you a list of three teams, then I said, you've got to come up with three teams that I can guarantee you are going to be in the conversation for the Super Bowl next time it's being played in Vegas. Those three teams on my big board, not a list, because we don't do list radio, but my big board, I've got Kansas City. That's obvious. Buffalo. Here we go, Buffalo. And the Cincinnati Bengals, those three teams. So those would be the first three teams, if this reporting is accurate, DeAndre Hopkins wants to play for a winner and not some team in in the outskirts of that. So you go Kansas City, Buffalo, and Cincinnati as the first first three teams. But we eliminate the Bengals. They're eliminated because they do not make moves like this. They don't. So you're going to race them off your big board. And then – you're like, well, wait a minute here. It becomes a uh, an old Stevie Ray Vaughan song, uh, Love Struck Baby. right? And you say, okay, uh, terms of contenders, they have a clear need here. The process of elimination, it is the Chiefs all day. That should be where DeAndre Hopkins ends up. If he wants to play for a winner, a team that has a need there, um, Buffalo, not as much. But Patrick Holmes is the measuring stick. Do we all agree on that? Mahomes is the measuring stick for quarterbacks right now. In that business, he's the top guy of his generation. And Andy Reid is a top-three coach in the NFL. So there is also a void there when you peruse the roster of the Chiefs and you're like, wait a minute, where did all the receivers go? I know they won last year without having a top-notch receiver, but the depth chart has Marquez Valdez-Scantling as the number one receiver, Kadarius Toney as the number two, and Sky Moore as number three on the list. That's the top three receivers right there. Not exactly a murderer's row of pass catchers. And uh, you look across over at Buffalo, well, yeah, they got Josh Allen. He's pretty good, uh, although he's had some hiccups uh, now and again. And then... You look at Stephon Diggs and Gabe Davis, both those guys are would be number one receivers on Kansas City. And uh, also the other problem you get, not that the weather's great in Kansas City late in the year, but in Buffalo, you get anywhere from two to four Lake Effect Blizzard games where the Bills become a running team and therefore DeAndre Hopkins would just be out there blocking and would not be part of the offense there because you just don't throw the ball in those nasty cold the late season Bills home games uh, one of the reasons the Bills offensive players have a huge uh, hill to climb in order to win a most valuable player now uh, award now the, the other team that we're tossing out this is not a contender they're they're not going to win anything but you toss them out for DeAndre Hopkins as we're playing the speculation game and that would be Cleveland And the Browns. Now, why the Browns? Because of the creepy quarterback, Deshaun Watson. They played together in Houston. And so that would, of course, be another mistake by the lake. But DeAndre Hopkins could go to Cleveland. He would be the number one receiver ahead of Amari Cooper and Donovan Peoples-Jones and ex-Jet Elijah Moore who are hanging out there in northern Ohio. Now, page two here. So why did the Cardinals just get rid of DeAndre Hopkins release him rather than trade him, even if it was for a conditional late-round draft pick? Wouldn't you have been better off making the trade? Of course. You don't have to be an executive for an NFL team. The Cardinals would have absolutely been better off if they had made a trade. The short answer is the reason they didn't, they're a bunch of ragamuffins. Uh, That's the the short answer there. Now, to expand on that, rather than make a lopsided deal that would have been giving up a a talent for a low-round draft pick, uh, they made no trade at all. They went to the discotheque, and they did the dance of the clueless is what the Cardinals did here. Getting something, even if it's not great, is better than nothing, and the Cardinals are spinning this as a victory. Of course they are. Why wouldn't they? That's what all the teams do. Oh, no, everything's great. Oh, we're, we're good. All no, not really. Uh, not really, right? I mean, what else did you expect them to do, say that we lost the transaction releasing, re- releasing the player? But the naked truth is, and you're not going to get this a lot of places, but DeAndre Hopkins at this point is a C-level player who thinks he's an A-level player. That's a problem, right? That's a problem. Don't let a falling star fall on you. And he's past the age of 30. Check. That's a problem when you get to as a wide receiver. Uh, very rarely do you get top-notch production from a receiver past the age of 30. So declining value on that. Uh, and he's also got the stank of a PED cheat. That doesn't really work all that much in football. It's more of a baseball thing. But that's on his resume as well. So you've got injuries. You've got the classical diva wide receiver tendencies And you do the arithmetic, and uh, 99.9% of receivers have a little diva in them if they're any good. But, uh, spoiler alert, even with all that noise, the Cardinals could have still gotten something, and they got nothing. Instead, they're claiming victory because they saved $8 million in salary cap space. But, by the way, they're still going to have a dead salary cap hit of $22.6 million. Now, on this show, we are salary cap truthers on this show. We know the manipulation of the salary cap, that you use it to explain anything. It's the ultimate explanation, the uh, confessional explanation. It's like, well, the reason we, we got rid of those players is because we couldn't afford them anymore, We've blah, blah, blah. If you, if you want to keep someone, if the Cardinals wanted to keep DeAndre Hopkins, we know what they're trying to do. They're trying to suck. But if they wanted to keep him, they could have worked it out. They could have kept him on the roster, but they didn't. The salary cap is a object that is manipulated easily. You can move the numbers around, cook the books, it's like having a good accountant. Uh, and these teams all have good accountants. All right, last and final point. So we'll take a couple steps back from DeAndre Hopkins. Does this movement by the Cardinals indicate that Kyler Murray is on thin ice in Arizona? Ding, 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 ding. Yes. Yes, to infinity and beyond. Now, he was on thin ice whether DeAndre Hopkins stayed in Arizona or not, but this this furthers along the storyline 1,000%. There is a roadmap, and if you follow the roadmap, the roadmap has Alligator Arms Murray next out of town among the high-profile players in Arizona. With the last one left, turn out the lights, the party's over. And uh, it makes a lot of sense because when you follow the roadmap, Uh, Cardinals get out the old Irish spring and scrub-a-dub-dub, right? Get that scrub-a-dub-dub, soap out, and reset the franchise. Murray is out already. He's going to miss part of next season anyway as he's coming off uh, medical procedure there and ACL, I believe, the injury there. So he might miss the entire year. Colt McCoy is the de facto starter. So you end up in full tanky McTank mode if you're the Cardinals. Arizona is going to win, based on what I've read of their roster and this buffoon they hired as a coach, they'll win anywhere from two to four games. So they'll win two to four games, and that means that the Cardinals will be in position to have the number one overall pick. And they have a great chance, even if they don't get the number one pick, to trade up for it because... The Cardinals also have the Houston Texans pick. They're going to blow from a trade they made this year as Houston, the Texans, uh, moved up in the draft. So it's conceivable the Cardinals could have the top two picks in next year's NFL draft. And the draft Knicks already are hyping up generational talents at quarterback in Caleb Williams, the Heisman winner from SC, and Drake May from North Carolina. Those two are the next wave of can't-miss, blue-chip NFL suspects or prospects. So Arizona, with two shots to get a top-two pick in the draft and get one of those quarterbacks, and that would mean they would be open for business, get rid of alligator arms Murray. Remember, already the general manager that gave him the contract was fired. How do we know that? He was working for us. During the NFL draft, Uh, also the the head coach, Cliff Kingsbury, is now going to college football to coach Caleb Williams. So uh, those guys are gone. And Kyler Murray's passion is video games. It was a terrible contract. The Cardinals knew it was a terrible contract. That's why they put a clause in there saying that you actually have to study. He raised a hullabaloo. The Cardinals caved in. They took the clause out of the contract. And so it's setting up. As he's the next to go. And where does he go? The usual suspects. You you look at the teams that will be back in the quarterback derby next year. You're looking at the Tennessee Titans, the Atlanta Falcons, the Las Vegas Raiders, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Those are the teams, the commanders. The greatness of the Raiders. Who are all in play for Kyler Murray. It is the Ben Maller Show. If you'd like to be part, 877 99 on Fox is the number, 877-996-6369. Also on Twitter, at Ben Maller. That's at Ben Maller. We have Maller to the thirty Week coming up later this hour. Boom, whap, bang. We'll get to that and some prime time cash. We'll go there as well, and we will do it next. He blew me off at a hotel near LAX. Edited audio. Be sure to catch live editions of the Ben Maller Show weekdays at 2 a.m. Eastern, 11 p.m. Pacific.
5: The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe.
6: Mexico will likely have its first female president.
5: And then you have China.
6: And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters.
3: He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on...
4: Say what? Welcome in the beginning of another hour of the Ben Mather Show. We're doing it live on a holiday weekend in the air everywhere. Bosom buddies. As we embrace danger, but respect the risk. Coast to coast, border to border and beyond on the vast and grandiosely powerful. Microphones of FSR emanating live from the wash, the mouthwash of gas baggery. We are broadcasting live from the TireRack.com studios. TireRack.com will help you get there in unmatched selection, fast free shipping, free road hazard protection, and over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be with a Game 7 on tap. In the NBA tonight from Boston. We'll talk more about that in a minute. But our lead this hour, coming from football and Sin City, some new information out recently about the status of the Raiders quarterback, a follow-up to a Malheur monologue we gave you at the end of last week. New revelations. Regarding the situation, we learned last week that Jimmy Garoppolo had surgery on his injured left foot after he agreed to a contract with the Raiders. Now, Las Vegas, we determined over the weekend that they, uh, they're they not a bunch of total rubes, the Raiders, that they actually put something in writing to seemingly protect them, a little insurance. So what is that all about? Well, if you didn't hear... and. Maybe you missed it. Uh, We are told the contract Jimmy Garoppolo signed with the Raiders gives the football team, the Las Vegas football team, protection against the damaged left tootsie of Jimmy Garoppolo, that the Raiders contract contains some legalese, a contract addendum that is a waiver. Say what? Yeah, that's uh, a release clause. Uh, addendum G. What up, G? Uh, not Danny G. That's addendum G that is located at the very end of the deal now. Pro football talk, the purveyors of smut, and uh, those uh, people, uh, Mike Florio, conspiracy theorist, tell us that the clause states that Garoppolo, who broke his foot in a week 13 game, remember December Wall with the 49ers there, would not pass a physical. It's in writing, would not pass a physical required to certify the contract. Therefore, because of the pre-existing left foot injury, a lot of legalese here, the club would not enter into an NFL player contract with player. The addendum, however, offers the Las Vegas football team the protection to terminate Said contract without without having to pay Garoppolo for any reason related to the waiver and release attached to Addendum J. What up, G? Uh, Now, what does that mean? Wait, there's more. The addendum also clears the Raiders of any liability related to future health. And Garoppolo assumes all risks, is what it means, continuing to play, including the chance of permanent disability related to that foot injury. Holy expat Batman. Now, the addendum also states that Garoppolo waives his right to make any claims against the Raiders, the NFL, or anyone else involved with any matter related to the foot injury, meaning... You have signed away any lawsuit that if the doctor screws something up for the Raiders, you're out of luck, S-O-L. sol. So the question, why on God's green earth would Jimmy Garoppolo agree to such a waiver claim with the Raiders? So I've got Island Life, AARP, and Tenderloin. And we will combine all of these things together, and we are going to make blackjack is what we're going to make, right? Absolutely. When you go to Vegas, you want to hit blackjack.
5: Is Racist?
4: What, no, no. It's it, You're playing cards. There is that's a it's a gambling it's a gambling term. So to kick off here, Jimmy G, my knee jerk reaction when I saw this story bouncing around, my first take was, you know what? He didn't have any elbow room. And the evidence is right there that the proof is in the in the contract. If he had something better, if the Texans or the Colts or the Patriots had said, hey, Jimmy G, we like you, we would like to give you a contract, and we'll give you a better contract, he would have taken it. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. He didn't have that. Garoppolo was entering free agency from a point of weakness. You know it. I know it. Every man, woman, and child Knows it to be true. His body has been scratched, damaged, distorted, warped, and buckled in recent years. Less than ideal. Now, regardless, Jimmy's first destination. We mentioned this during the football season. You don't actually have to be an insider like uh, Jay Glazer or Adam Schefter to know. It made all the sense. Connecting the dots. Pinning the tail on the donkey. It made all the sense that Jimmy Garoppolo's preferred destination was always the island life. The friendly island of the Raiders. Now, that island is an island filled with expats. The expats, the snowbirds that left the Patriots, crawling all over the place in Vegas, trying to recreate the ecosystem, the ecosystem they had there uh, in in, uh, New England. So they cobbled together the framework of the contract. Jimmy agreed to sign away all of his rights to get a seat on the pirate ship and see if he can find that light at the end of the dark tunnel in the waterway. And so he was confident that the Raiders, brass, they know him. They're friends. Josh McDaniels is a buddy from his earlier days in New England, and Dave Ziegler, the general manager, is Patriot DNA. So Garoppolo trusts them. He trusts that they will not give him a version of the Montreal job from professional wrestling back in the day. There's nothing covert that will be going on here. Now, furthermore, what are the actual odds? What are the actual odds that the Raiders will use the waiver to get out of Jimmy G's contract? So I'm going to set the odds on this at plus 6,000. Now, that implies a less than 2% chance Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler are not going to hit the eject button. They're not going to get rid of Garoppolo. Even if Garoppolo needs an AARP-approved Kane or Walker, they will keep him around. Even if that is the case, it would take ownership to intervene that Mark Davis would have to be that person. He's not that guy, pal. Mark Davis is not that guy. Uh, Davis is very submissive, he's very agreeable, and he will uh, acquiesce to whatever Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler tell him. He's the polar opposite of Al Davis, his father. The spawn does fall far from the tree every once in a while, and Mark is not a guy that will sport any gaudy jewelry. You will not see him wearing a white polyester tracksuit. You will not find him in front of an old overhead projector. Uh, none of that will happen. All of that happened with Al Davis. The sequel The Greatness of the Raiders is not the equal. It's just not. And so, the way I read the room here, as long as Josh McDaniels can split some egg rolls, uh, some California rolls over there at PF Chang's, uh, everything's good. Everything is golden. And nothing to see here. Now, this story will have legs, though, all year because the Raiders conceivably could release Jimmy Garoppolo at any point without owing him any money because of that lingering foot injury. And Garoppolo signed away his right to sue, as we said, which means in week seven, if the foot flares up, the Raiders could claim, well, it's part of the pre existing injury. Sorry, you're done. That's it. Uh, See you later. Hit the road, Jack. Hit the road, Jimmy. Now, if Garoppolo, 31, is on the Raiders 53-man roster two days after the season ends, then uh, the addendum waiver becomes null and void, which means Garoppolo most likely will be one and done. Most likely one and done with the Raiders, and they will get rid of him. Parting shot. Do the Raiders have a backup plan? Now, we mentioned this in a previous episode of the show. We had mentioned this. They they have no contingency plan. You know, a lot of people financially, I was reading a story about this a couple of years ago, that they, you're supposed to have a rainy day fund. You're supposed to have an emergency fund. Like most people just go paycheck to paycheck. You don't have any of that, right? If you lose your job, you are screwed, right? That's how most people operate. Well, the, 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 the Raiders at quarterback, they're like that. They're just going paycheck to paycheck. They have nothing. Nothing at all. Have you seen the silver and black depth chart? It is appalling at the quarterback position. And, man, oh, man, oh, man, we're talking Tenderloin District bad. We're talking rat hole whose house, the crap house. That's whose house the Raiders quarterback room is. And if you have that sinking feeling, it's likely because you realize the Raiders' plan B is, is Brian Hoyer, another expat, the same Brian Hoyer who has been an abomination as a backup quarterback for over a decade, a decade and a half, looks great in practice, very coachable, says the right things, right out of central casting, looks like he should be good. And then when the game starts, Brian Hoyer takes a ride on the Vomit Comet and is an unwatchable piece of excrement. As he plays quarterback, garbage. turns 38 during the NFL season, played for seven franchises, <laughs> mostly the Patriots but also the Browns and a bunch of others, the Texans go down the list. Has averaged less than 7 yards per pass since 2017. As a backup for multiple NFL teams, Brian Hoyer has started 9 games, his team has lost all 9 of those games started by Brian Hoyer. Let's go back further. How about to the 2016? He started 14 games. His team won in 13 in those 14 games. Now, behind Brian Hoyer, the Raiders have somebody named Aiden O'Connell. We're not sure who that is. He played at Purdue. He was a fourth-round pick. And then they have the great Chase Garbers, who uh, he was on the team last year, undrafted. Never heard of him. Out of Cal. And he played uh, high school football in uh, the O.C., Newport Harbor. High school in Southern California, for those that care about that. Uh, So, which means the Raiders, if Garoppolo does not make it, they would have to have a open casting call. Producers, directors are working there. uh, Like the sign on the Statue of Liberty says, right? Give me your poor, you're tired, you're hungry quarterbacks, because we have an opening. It is the Ben Maller Show. If you would like to be part, you can join us here at 877-99 on Fox. That's 877-996-6369. Now, we got a big game tonight in the NBA. Where's the money at, you're asking? Well, maybe you're not asking, but I always look to see where the early money is. Game seven, the Miami Heat and the Boston Celtics, and this game opened at eight and a half. It is down by a point and a half, all the way down to seven. Boston favored at home. They, uh, again, opened up eight and a half point favorites. They're favored by seven. The money, slight lean to Miami. And a majority of the tickets betting on the Miami Heat on the road in a game seven. Now, my thinking on this is that the... The gamblers, and a lot of this, the, the casual gamblers bet at the last minute, within a couple of hours of tip-off. So usually the people that bet early are more uh, savvy, shall we say. And so they're predicting that this game will come down to the fourth quarter. It'll be a close game. It's not going to be a blowout like so many people are anticipating. The Celtics will win going away. The people betting early are anticipating this game will be a fourth-quarter game It'll be a toss-up game. So the Celtics are favored by seven, but the vast majority of the tickets and and an edge on the cash, slight edge on the cash in favor of Jimmy Butler and the Miami Heat, whatever that is worth, whatever that is worth. A gambler's paradise, speaking of gambling, a gambler's paradise, and enjoy the chanting. Enjoy the chanting. We'll get to that, and we will do it next. And get ass on Facebook. Nah, it's Instagram. I go to Instagram now.